very, very, very excited about the word this morning because it's not really a word. Um, I'm going to talk to you about um, the vision for Storehouse this morning. And as I was putting it together, I felt so um, invigorated in my spirit, almost like I was seeing it for the first time. Um, and, you know, I've been living this for over uh, whew, 17 years, um, <laughs> minutes, but it feels like years. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm trying to find a backache. There it is. Praise the Lord. It's in the middle. Um, anyway. I love Habakkuk, but typically people will talk about, and they'll quote Habakkuk 2.2, you know? It's like, uh, you know, write the vision, make it plain. But Habakkuk 2.1 and 2.3 sandwich Habakkuk 2.2, so I'm going to read that to you. I will take my stand at the watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my, what I will answer concerning my complaint. It's interesting how he phrased that. And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits his appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. The vision will not lie. The word of God does not lie ever and forever for all of eternity. It is true and it will be established in your life and in the land. And then um, he says, behold his, no, wait. If it seems slow, wait for it. If the word of promise and the fulfillment of the vision seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Praise God. God, thank you for your word, and I thank you that your word is true, and I thank you, God, that you are not a liar, and that every word that you've spoken over every life in this body will come to pass without fail. And as I preached last week, I called it the great delay, that there is a process in the delay of the promise. God doesn't just say, oops, I made a mistake. He was showing me this week because I was having this conversation of Habakkuk in the first part of Habakkuk 2.1. I was having that conversation with him and he said to me about, you know, delay. And he said to me, Tracy, um, do you think that I sent Moses in the wrong direction when he ended up at the Red Sea? And I was like, well, Lord, only you know. And he said, "Um, I sent him that direction so that my glory could be seen, so that my glory could be seen. He came to the edge of his impossible. He came to the edge of his delay. And it was interesting, if you look at the journey that they went on, it was like, dang, there was a quicker route, you know. He should have given his wife the map, right? Here's the four, you take the map. She would have been like, you give me that map, I'll show you how to get there. But no, he didn't ask for directions, right? (laughs) Uh, all right, hold on. I have to pull up my message. Oh, where is it? What did I call it again? Right, storehouse. There it is. Thank you, Matthew. Always so helpful. Um, 
<clears throat> All right, so today is the Storehouse Vision 2016. I want to start with a brief history, and yes, I have a slideshow. Guys, I put together a PowerPoint last night. 1 a.m., got a steroid shot. I was good to fly. John was like, I don't know, woman, where you get this energy. <clears throat> All right. So I want to tell you a brief history about who we are. You don't have to look at the slide. You can look at me. Um, <laughs> but, I, but I put it together, right? It's so cool. Um, trying to hit all of the ways that we learn, you know, uh, audibly, visually. Um, all right, so here's the deal. Most of you know I was saved. Uh, I'm going to take you back to the beginning, but I'm just going to give you a brief history. Yeah, right? Aren't you so happy to know that I've been saved? <laughs> I just got in. <laughs> It, it, it took my whole life, or, or half my life, for, to, it, for it to come to pass, but oh well. Uh, <clears throat> the Lord kept sending messengers, and he was like, oh, i got to go do it myself. <clears throat> that woman is so stubborn. Anyway, I'm going to give you a brief history, and then I'm going to tell you a little bit about um, some revelation. I hope my mic's not going out, because I don't see anybody at the sound booth. Um, I'm going to give you some revelation, a brief revelation. I'm going to talk to you about of the prophetic words. Hey, I need batteries. I need batteries. Um, and then uh, we're going to talk a little bit about how storehouse is structured because I think there may be some confusion in the body of Christ about uh, who we are, uh, what we do, all that kind of stuff. So I just wanted to clarify some things. Um, anyway, so this all started uh, with me about um, uh, 17 years ago. Uh, I was working, had a, a very uh, lucrative career. I had started a company for Omnicom. It's the largest marketing company in the world. I'd started a company for them. I was flying all over the world. Um, thank you. Pause. Smell my breath from there. <laughs> oh, to, no, no, baby, you know me. If I am talking and I have a mint, that mint goes flying out of my mouth like a projectile. <laughs> it's so embarrassing when you're praying for people, you know, you want to have good breath, and then you spit that mint out on them, and you're like, sorry about that. Let me just pick that up. <laughs> anyway, <coughs> life as a pastor, right? So, so anyway, so I'm doing this, I'm working, you know, John and I all in black all the time, getting our, getting our picture made in D magazine. It was so much fun going to all the who, who things. Anyway, <clears throat> it was an interesting life. I think, uh, between us and with all of our kids, we had like seven cars. We lived in this huge house, lots of bedrooms. In fact, we turned the dining room and the study into bedrooms because we had so many kids. And then Samuel was in our bedroom. So, uh, six kids living in one uh, under one roof, Park Cities, uh, you know, just doing the deal. I had this friend uh, who said, um, so how are you? I said, oh, you know, keeping up with the Joneses. She says, honey, you are the Joneses. And I was like, okay, whatever. <coughs> so I'm at home one day getting ready for work. And I hear the audible voice of the Lord that says, rebuild my temple. Now, you have to understand, I was going to church, to a Bible church. I was not saved. 
I thought I was saved. I had no fruit in my, my life, but I had this intellectual understanding that Jesus uh, was the Christ. So I believed, but I had not surrendered myself. I had not confessed. I had not surrendered my heart. And so I was walking around believing I was saved. I would get to church late and leave early. And when I would get to church late, I would get to church late with six teenagers. You can just about imagine what that looks like when I come in there every week after week, 30 minutes late, because I did two things I didn't like, prayer and worship. But I wanted to hear what he had to say so he could keep my kids from having sex and doing drugs. That pretty much summarizes my, um, my, my religious life. <clears throat> So I hear the audible voice of the Lord, and he says, rebuild my temple. Now, I, I didn't, I'd never read the Bible, so I, I was like, well, I have no idea what that means. But I knew it was God. I mean, it was one of those impacting things. I knew he was speaking to me. I, I thought, this is a game changer for me, but I don't know what it means. And why would he certainly talk to me? I don't know. What is a temple? What is rebuild my temple? I'm not Jewish. Why is he talking to me? So all of these things are going through my mind, and I thought, okay, well, whatever, after two hours of just sitting there and, 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 and kind of thinking about this, I go to work and I thought, okay, the, whatever, shake it off. I'll be fine. The voice kept coming back every day. Rebuild my temple, rebuild my temple. So I thought, okay, this is, this is not going away. And so <clears throat> anyway, um, I thought he wanted me to deliver a word. I'm just going to fast forward to this to my Jewish associate. That ended up being a nightmare. But I delivered the word, and I, he didn't know what I was talking about. I didn't know what I was talking about. It was kind of a disaster, but, but I did it. And so I thought, okay, uh, I did this. And he said, maybe, my, you know, this comes from my Jewish associate. He said, maybe this is what God wants you to do is to go around and give, deliver messages to people. And I thought, oh, pfft no, <laughs> this is never going to happen again. Anyway, uh, um, so the next day I go into a vision of 9-11. Uh, I see the whole thing two years before it happens. I knew the date that it was going to happen. I knew it was going to be New York. I knew it was going to be in towers. I knew it was going to be two. I knew it was going to be planes. I saw the planes. I saw angels and demons fighting over the city. Um, all of this with the um, was an open vision with my open eyes. I saw the whole thing as though it was a scene and I was there. I saw a man walk up to me. I saw the skin that was melting off of his bones. It was a terrifying experience. Um, I could see the bodies of the 3,000. I could see everything. Everything was very clear. I could, I could sense death in the air. And um, so... Uh, the next thing that happened the next night, I went into another vision and I began to ask the Lord why. And I mean, I was really understanding this was a real event in time that was coming. I knew we were going to be attacked. Um, and I asked the Lord why. And he said, it's about Babylon, which made absolutely no sense to me. Of course, I've never read the Bible. I thought, well, what is Babylon? So I asked John and he said, I think it's a tower. <clears throat> so as you can see, it, it's like, <laughs> we're hitting on all cylinders here, people. <clears throat> the d dumb and dumber, right, baby? <laughs> California. <laughs> All right. Um, so, so then he gives me a dream. Okay, in the dream, um, 
I'm having Zerubbabel's baby, which makes absolutely no sense to me because I don't even know who Zerubbabel is. I knew who Moses was. You know, it's like your top 10 characters of the Bible. You kind of all know them because people talk about them. And we live in a Christian nation, right? So supposedly, you know, you just hear these kind of things through movies that you see and whatnot. But I, I didn't know who this Zerubbabel guy was. And um, through searching out the word, I, I ended up uh, uh, finding out that he was the guy that rebuilt the temple. So my little radar went up and thought, oh, okay, what's going on here? Um, a lot of the revelation of this actually came to me, I'm not kidding you, like six years after I got saved. <clears throat> all right, it takes me a while. Anyway, so all of this began to make sense to me and the Lord began to speak to me in every way that God speaks. What he's doing is it is, a, it is line upon line and he, he's very faithful to build as he releases things to us to show us what he's doing and how we're to participate in what he's doing. And so let's take a look at that because the first thing he said is rebuild my temple. All right, what was the thing that Zerubbabel did? He rebuilt the temple. He said, you're having Zerubbabel's baby. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense because that's an Old Testament guy, right? Um, the second thing that he showed me was a vision of 9-11, which I believe was symbolic. And he showed me the date, 9-11. Um, um, I think this is symbolic of Amos 9-11. It is the rebuilding of the temple of David, but it's also Hebrews 9-11. It is the temple that is being rebuilt, not by hands, but by the spirit of the living God, okay? Because God's not after a temple made by hands, right? Amen? We already did that, all right? Now we're into the flesh temple, which um, uh, he loves. That's what he was after all along. The others were just symbols of that. The others were just symbols. Everything in the Old Testament is a symbol of what God's doing in the New Testament. Um, so so, he's, so he's, he's talking about us. He's talking about the temple of man. And then um, Zerubbabel, he said it's about Babylon to me, right? Where did we go? When, uh, when we declared war, where did the American troops go? We went to Babylon in the natural and in the spirit. God was saying something about Babylon. What did Zerubbabel do? He built, rebuilt the second temple. He led the second exodus. His exodus was out of Babylon. Okay. So real briefly, I'm going to tell you about this. <clears throat> is this okay? Are y'all okay with this? Sorry. So this is what the Lord showed me. Um, go to slide two. All right, the revelation of Zerubbabel and what it means for this house, what it means for this city, and what it means for this nation is key to the outpouring that's coming. <clears throat> and I say that with all boldness. Um, Zerubbabel, the name Zerubbabel means coming out of confusion. It means that there is a flowing out of confusion. God is bringing his people. There is a mighty exodus that is about to happen where the people of God will no longer be blind. We will no longer be blind and we will no longer be deaf. <clears throat> but we will see and we will hear the truth of God. What happens when you're not confused? Do you know when you kind of feel confused and you can't really get solid on, 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 on strategy or, or, or future or planning or, you know, it's, it's a very difficult 
situation. Um, but when you begin to come out of that, what happens is that you can really run. You can genuinely run and run hard. Hold on. So I'm going to give you the net. I'm writing a book. You can get the book. And I also teach a class on this in, um, in our school. Um, but here's, here's the net. Why is this important? It's important because the state of the Western church, um, God is coming and he's breaking in on the Western church and the dullness that has happened to the Western church because of a lack of, of hearing and seeing. <clears throat> the Lord said um, that the Zerubbabel's temple is a symbolic temple that was a prophetic symbol of the temple not made with hand. It houses and out of it is the coming the Melchizedek priesthood. Jesus walked in the Melchizedek priesthood. It was the priesthood of both the priest and the king. He functioned in both of these offices. Now, typically, the, uh, the priesthood was separated from the kings. So the kings and the priests were, had separate duties. But through Christ, he combined both of these, which is how he walked in the power that he did. And um, so anyway... What the Lord is saying is that he is reestablishing his people. And what we have been called to do is to combine both the priest and the king. The priests that access heaven through the eyes and the ears and kings that deliver down declarations of what they see in heaven onto the earth to transform it by the laying on of hands and the speaking of the truth that they see and they hear. Amen. So, um, uh, Slide number three. <clears throat> the truth in heaven must be brought down to earth. Those are the kings. That is why the apostolic is so critical for the confused church. The apostolic is being re it's being uh, reestablished in the church, and there are apostolic hubs that are being set up in the earth to begin to train an apostolic people to be released into all seven spheres of society. So, um, how do we build? <clears throat> One of the things when he first established us and how we began to build is we prayed. It was the most interesting thing because when I started this, I was all about myself. And I said, God, I don't even know how to pray. In fact, it's funny that uh, Will and Haviland Ford are with us today because there was a prayer meeting. The Lord had been talking to John and I about starting this house of prayer for two years. And we argued with him. We were like, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> Because I didn't know how to pray. I didn't enjoy prayer. <clears throat> My kids used to call prayer a nap. <laughs> Mom's going back to pray. <clears throat> <laughs> and Will came to my, our house along with Rick Pino, Ann Quest, Herman Martyr, and uh, some of the leaders uh, in the body of Christ here in Dallas. And they were like, we knew that one of us was supposed to do the house of prayer in Dallas. And uh, so we all prayed. And I was down on my face going, oh, God, please don't let it be me. <laughs> so we went around the room after we all prayed. And uh, they all agreed. They said, yeah, it's you and John. And we were just like, oh, man. <laughs> and we said, Lord, you're going to have to teach us how to pray. 
you're going to have to teach us how to do it. You're going to have to give us grace for this. And so the grace of God fell on us. And I began to, thank you, honey. I began to um, have encounters in prayer all by myself. I was thought, oh, you could, I thought you could only do that in corporate. You know, where you would start having encounters and you would start to see and you would start to hear and you would start to get taken up into heaven and la, 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 la. And I went, woo, somebody, why didn't anybody tell me about this? Why didn't somebody tell me that this is what prayer was? I just thought it was this begging, pleading, help me, give me money, make my life comfortable. <laughs> Somebody told me once, God isn't really invested in your comfort. He's invested in your love. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so anyway, um, but this is what would happen. I would pray for a worshiper. Like, I was like, well, I kind of need a worshiper if I'm going to be a house of prayer. So I prayed for a worshiper, and the next morning someone knocked at my door with a guitar, and they said, I heard you need a worshiper. And I was like. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much how the house of prayer got built. Because <laughs> I was like, well, I don't really know anybody with money. And I don't really know, and I don't have any money left. And I was thinking, God, you should have you should have had me start the house of prayer when John and I had all that money and we lived in the park cities. But don't you know, God takes us to the Red Sea. So here are some of the prophecies that have been given to us by several prophets, dreams, and visions over the past 10 years. Now, I say this with all fear and trembling um, because I, I don't consider something prophetic or I don't consider it mine unless I've heard it over and over and over because it's, it's got to be spoken by two or three witnesses in order for me to even consider it. And then the Lord has to tell me himself. He's got to confirm it himself. And so um, I, I, I highlighted the top four for you. So um, the Lord told us very clearly that we were to become a house of prayer um, and, and that the prayer was going to be a centerpiece of all that he did. Um, and I didn't truly understand it, but he said out of it would come governmental authority. And I was like, well, I don't really even know what that is. Um, so I'm just going to keep putting one foot in front of the other and let you reveal it to me in your time. Um, the second uh, thing that he has spoken to us over the years is that we would be an apostolic revival hub to release the governmental authority of heaven to the earth. And so I said, okay, well, <clears throat> I don't really know what that is either, but um, I'm just going to say yes to you. And I don't know what it's going to look like. Um, but through the years, what's happened is that we went ahead and we built the house of prayer. And he said to me very clearly, listen to me, you are not IHOP. Do not try to be another man's ministry. Do not try to uh, become a form of something somebody else has done. And so he very clearly removed every ability that we had to become like IHOP. I mean, I'm telling you, I had the whole thing down. I was like, I had all IHOP material. I had the harp and bowl. I thought, okay, we can do this. Because I've built three multi-million dollar businesses in my, in, my, in my day. And so I, I didn't have a problem building. I just, this wasn't something he was going to let me build according to my own abilities. He said, you're going to have to follow the cloud by day and the fire by night. So stop trying to be like another man's ministry. 
<clears throat> All right. So um, the third, he said, you're going to release a sound that hasn't been heard before that will result in something that has never been seen before. He said, it's an awakening of the sons of God shining with light, love, and power. Well, that leaves you with a little fear and trembling. I was like, for the longest time, I was like, I can't even say that. I can't even say that. How do I say that? I just, but, but prophet after prophet, international prophet kept coming here and saying that to us. And he said, Tracy, you're going to have to start declaring this. And I said, all right, well, not by might nor by power, but by your spirit, oh God, let it be according to your word. And the fourth thing he said is you will go to the nations and the nations will come to you. So here's what I want to tell you. 95% of revivals, reformations, and awakenings have begun in small communities of prayer. Fire falls on love. Fire falls on unity. Fire falls on family. And when the Lord asked us years ago, what do you want to be? John and I prayed and we said, we want to be a family. We want to be known by others and we want to know others. We want to know who you are. We want to know what makes you cry. We want to know what makes you laugh. And these are the things that we have, have tried really hard to keep this house as a place of love and a place of um, family. Um, revival falls on a small band of brothers and sisters um, that believe. See, God is looking for quality, not quantity. He's looking for hearts. Earth measures success by numbers, but God measures success by himself. See, us plus God equals a majority. And my, my, um, my, what's the word I'm looking for? Strategy for success is this. If I get more God, more people will come. Not if I get more people, God will come. And so if I, if I fast, if I pray, if I seek God and say, God, I can't live without you. I can't live without you and they can't live without you. I don't want to build according to the wisdom of man, but I want to build according to the wisdom of God. I want to be apostolic in every way and build according to heaven's blueprint. Okay, slide four. The main slide, um, when he said, you're going to be an apostolic revival hub. Are, when people come to me and they say, are you a prayer room? And my answer is yes. Are you a church? My answer is yes. Are you a school? My answer is yes. We train people to be apostolic in their spheres of influence, to access heaven and transform the earth every place that they are. That's business, media, arts, entertainment, families, and school. And I told the Lord, I am not going to preach what I don't know. I'm not going to preach and try to be something or say something that I haven't actually won victory in. That's why I... I, I prophesy out in, out in the workplace. That's why I pray for, the, the, um, for people to be healed out in the, out in the marketplace. That's why I'm, I'm, um, I pray for people here. That's why I, I scrub the toilets in the back. That's why I take out the trash. That because <clears throat> that's why I take care of the kids. That's why I, I take care of the leadership. 
it's like, if I'm not doing it, I can't expect you to do it. And, and um, to be authentic as an, as an apostle, you have to do the things that apostles did. Um, some of the pillars, the key pillars that the Lord gave to me, and in fact, uh, Will Ford uh, confirmed one of these key scriptures. I was praying and I was asking the Lord, what are the pillars for this house? What are the pillars that hold us up? And so it was important that I thought that you would know what these are so that you can look them up for yourselves. I'm not going to go into that today. You can, you can research it for yourselves. But quickly, Malachi 1.11, making God's name great day and night. Psalm 24, the king of glory coming in. Uh, Zechariah 4, the temple that releases the sons of shining. Uh, Isaiah 22.22, 22, the key of authority for the house of David. And Isaiah 11.2, the seven spirits of God that Jesus walked in. These were the scriptures and the pillars that God gave us that we would build this house on. That you stand on today. You stand on these pillars. And you benefit from these pillars. You walk in, the le- in these pillars. You apprehend these scriptures every time you come here. So, uh, slide five. The definition of a hub. A hub is a central part of a wheel that connects the axle to the wheel itself. A hub, did you see that? Did you see my voice is more clear? Praise God. Um, a hub is a center around which other things revolve and radiate. It is a focus of activity and authority. You see, the temple always had an inner room. It always had a holy of holies. Slide six. <clears throat> the foundation of the hub is our prayer room. Why? Because we build according to the blueprint of heaven. This was given to us by the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit says something and gives it to you, even though, like Habakkuk said, you may tarry, it will always come to pass. Even though there may be a delay, the word of God will land on our obedience to build according to his blueprint. Paul said this, you cannot lay another foundation other than that which is Jesus. I believe this is, and I say this with all boldness, I believe that what God is doing in these apostolic hubs will be what the church of the future will look like. And I believe he'll begin to release churches who will build according to this blueprint. And I say that with all boldness. The foundation is laid on the is on the apostles and prophets with Jesus being the chief cornerstone. That's why he's saying that these are apostolic hubs. Let me tell you something. If you try to build the foundation of the church on the pastors, the teachers, and the evangelist, you're going to have a church that eats from itself. You're going to have a church that is led by the people and not by heaven. So it never actually extends itself and the kingdom of heaven cannot come because they continue in a cycle of programs to serve the people. And it's, and it's the waiting on tables 
and there's there's a need for that. You have to take care of the needs of the people. And, and, and the first church was very clear about this, but the apostles and the prophets separated themselves out for the ministry of the word while the pastors, the teachers, and the evangelists took care of the needs of the people. But unless there's a place where the main thing is the main thing and the priority of the church is to seek heaven and bring heaven to the earth and that the uh, number one value system in the church is the presence of God. And they design the church around that reality. Then the church cannot extend itself out into the community. Because the people of God will not know and hear and see in order to change the places that they work and live. So there are four things that I'm going to just share with you. But I believe the apostolic does. It makes the presence and the leading of the Holy Spirit the primary focus. The apostolic is the fathering and mothering at its core. There are many teachers, but few fathers. The apostolic is fathering. It means that it's tri-generational, and it invests itself in raising up another generation of young adults and children to follow behind the things that they're doing and to push them ahead of them so that our kids will be on our shoulders. You do not, you are not here to serve me. I am here to serve you. I am here to lay a foundation that you then can stand on. <clears throat> this is why you... Um, We'll see many people come up here and get the mic because I believe that everybody has a psalm. Everybody has a word. Everybody brings something to the body of Christ, and it has to be released for the edification, the building up, and the strengthening of God, of y'all. The signs of a true apostle were performed among you, says Paul with all patience, by signs, wonders, and miracles. Apostles heal, they cast out demons, they prophesy, words of knowledge, they save the lost. That's what apostles do. If you don't see somebody doing those things, putting a name, apostle, whatever, on, on their business card, never mind, I'm not going there. <laughs> Number four, you cannot build, like I said, on, on the foundation of the teacher, pastor, and evangelist. Um, because that's actually the upside down earth to heaven form. And it's a form that's actually built out of a, it's, it's built out of a business structure. It's not built out of a, out of a, out of an organic structure. It's built out of an, for an organ, uh, an, an organization. It's not built for an organism. An organism moves and breathes with the spirit of the living God. This book was given to us to reveal God, not contain him. That means that he is still alive today. And so therefore, um, as it was in the first church in Acts 2.42, where he said they gave themselves to the apostles' teaching and, and um, the breaking of bread, fellowship, and prayer, that, that format is still alive today. But guys, 
There was no New Testament. There was no apostolic teaching that was there for them. What they had and what they mean is there was fresh, fiery manna coming from heaven to release a structure to the church and, and causing the church to come alive with fresh bread, new bread, living wine, uh, fresh wine. These things are what we're dying of. The body of Christ is actually dying of starvation because the apostles' teachings are not alive. So here's what happens. Everything that we do comes out of this place of worship and prayer. And as this hub spins, it actually begins to create energy and create life. And everything that's attached to it, it filters out of it. Everything that we do comes out of the place of worship and prayer. Everything that we do, the church and the life groups, the prophecy, the evangelism, the children and the youth. We're starting a, a, a music school, comedia school, a creative, uh, a, an elementary school. And then we've got our Encounter Jesus school. Everything is fueled by the rotation of the hub. As the, as the hub, the prayer room rotates, it actually begins to create a sound. It creates a vibration. It creates movement. And everything attached to it begins to spin. It begins to create a rotation. And it begins to, like a wheel within a wheel, come off the earth. It begins to get height. It's the wheel within the wheel, guys. It's the wheel within the wheel. It's the whirlwind coming up out of the south. It creates a roar and it creates a sound. Let's go to slide seven. So our prayer room sustains the presence of God that fuels all that we do. It is the oil that God can throw fire on. The prayer and worship, what it does is it confuses the camp of the enemy like it always has. Like it always has. What did, he, what did God do? He always sent out pr a prayer and worship first. The sound, the sound, the sound confuses the camp of the enemy so that the children of God can advance. This is not just for this house. This is for this city. This is for this nation. And when God said, you are going to birth this governmental authority that will go all over the earth, you have to understand the importance of what we've been called to do. The apostolic and the prophetic. Oop, I missed number three. The prayer room is for the adoration and high praises to God. It raises the level of his presence in this place and the water level of the spirit in the earth and in this city. If nobody is in this prayer room, do you know it doesn't matter? Because it's not for you. This prayer room exists for him. It exists for him. When, when people, some of these international people we bring to this house, they say the most astounding things. They say to us, the presence of God is thicker here than any place I've ever been in the earth. And we're like, really? We actually, because we're so used to it, we're like, whoa. But they said, we can prophesy more here and apprehend heaven more here than any place we've ever been. And they call us, we're getting a reputation, we're called and known as the honey hole. The honey hole. And they say to one another, because they all know each other, just like they did in Paul's day. They all know each other. 
They're like, oh, you're going to the honey hole. Have fun. (laughs) All right. The apostolic and prophetic is the foundation that co-creates with God, making a living, breathing organism, not an organization. Number five, it facilitates faster spiritual growth and identity and purpose for our EJL students. They come in here. Have you ever uh, tried to eat a steak without marinating it first? You better get out the, the, the knife because it, you uh, got to cut and cut and cut. But if you marinate it, it tenderizes it. We tenderize these students, and I'm telling you, those, those demons flee like they've been set on fire. Those kids start manifesting like crazy. It's awesome. You're like, ah, that demon's got to go. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, some days the prayer room is dry. And some days it's electric. But what happens is when you hit stony ground, you just got to keep plowing, right? All right, number eight. Here are some of the benefits that we've seen. The healing in this house has increased to 90%. 90% of the people that come here are getting healed. And I'm talking about everything from cancer to scoliosis to legs growing out to eyes being able to see to ears being able to hear. I'm talking about people that are leaving their crutches, people that are leaving, walking out without their canes. It's the most remarkable thing. If you know somebody sick, please bring them here. Um, Sharon Stone said, you guys have actually plowed an environment where people come into the atmosphere here and they're going to get healed. We had testimonies of people walking in and in, in a coming in sick and hurting, desperate for healing. And the minute they walk through the doors, they're healed. Nobody even lays hands on them. The prophecy and the words of knowledge have increased. Um, we're seeing incredible transformations in EJS in a very short period of time. Uh, the children in the back are experiencing healings. They're praying like crazy. They're interceding. Um, Nate, um, Cronier, it's crazy what's happening. Nate Cronier, the spirit of the Lord hit that kid. He went into intercession and travail. It was awesome. All right, uh, knowing family by the spirit. When people that pray together, they, they play together and they stay together. Amen? All right, slide nine. Are y'all with me? Are we doing okay? All right, um, Access heaven to transform earth. We do this in the church. We do it in life groups. We do it with our children. We do it with EJS. We have a Thursday and Sunday night teaching where we teach on the kingdom and we do practical training on how to access heaven and transform the earth. I'm telling you, if you don't know how to access heaven during the day with open visions, how to see God with open eyes, how to hear him with your open ears, you need to start, you need to either go to EJS or you need to start coming. We're doing practical equipping on Thursday nights, so come. And then here, we just all have fun and hopefully you're getting fed here too. Um, life groups. Um, our life groups take turns in the prayer room, in evangelism outreach, in um, uh, prophecy rooms and evangelism through hospitality. We put our life groups to work. Because it's not just about sitting around and feeling good about yourself. It's about advancing the kingdom. When you begin to advance the kingdom, you actually begin to get on fire. When you're on fire, let me tell you something. That's where the fun starts to happen. And when you're having fun, you're having joy. When you're having joy, you're a lot more, um, um, lot less likely to have demons. Those demons got to go. So, All right. And you get to eat while setting the captives free. Amen. All right. Um, Our children um, are also getting all of this through word, prophecy. We're teaching them how to heal. Um, EJS, 
transformation of, and I, their identity and their purpose. It's just phenomenal what's happening and, and how fast it's happening. Like I said, these people are walking in authority to advance the kingdom in uh, all the places where they work. Slide 10. Here's some focuses for 2016. I made this slide. I'm very proud of it. it. Took me a really long time to get those little swirly things and the arrows to get on the end. All right, this year, say this year. We are, our focus is um, on worship. We're going to make a compilation CD. And we're going to get live stream. We're going to live stream our worship sets and um, our, um, our worship sets here on uh, our worship sets, worship and prayer sets during the week and our worship sets here uh, during the service. Um, our, our real focus on our children and youth. We're really uh, wanting to activate our children in the adult services through prophecy healing. Um, I want to see our children come alive in prophetic art and dance this year. Um, evangelism, we are participating in uh, the Dallas 50 Days of Harvest. What is it called? It's the time to revive greater 50 days. And so we're partnering with them. It starts at Passover and goes for 50 days all the way to Pentecost. So it's a great opportunity. We're going to be, you know, hitting it hard and having a lot of fun. Um, um, and then number four, we are going to try to find a new home this year. Not that I don't love this building. This building has been a great home for us, but I believe that the Lord said that he's going to begin to move us out before our next uh, having to sign another lease which will be in March of 2017. I would like to say Selah to this facility we've been here for. No, five years? Six years? 2011? 10. Oh, glory. All right. All right, I think seven years is long enough. March 2010. That's right, March 1st, 3-1. The Lord moved us on 3-1, and we saw, yeah, we, and um, we, the Lord told us three are coming together in, in, as one, and he put us on the corner of three and one, so we all thought that was so cool. <laughs> We're so prophetic. <laughs> I love you. I love you, Will. I love you, D. All right. Um, all right, slide number 11. A lot of you ask this, what are the best ways to get connected? All right, there's no way, there's no reason not to get connected in this house because we are all just about getting connected. We love you. We want to be your friend. I can't, I don't know how many ways to say that. We want to eat with you. We want to squeeze you. We want to pray for you. We want to, you know, we're just a hug and we'll hug you until you're like, okay, let go. It's getting uncomfortable now. <laughs> all right, you can join a life group. I know that's like, okay, well, everybody says that. But no, I'm telling you, this is, you're going to join a life group and it's going to be fun because uh, we're going to seriously make you advance the kingdom and you're going to really enjoy it. Uh, number two, um, there's great way. There are so many opportunities to serve here. And when I tell you, we desperately need you. We desperately need you. Um, you know, like in a family, how everybody cooks and cleans and helps and everything. Everybody in our house works. And so when everybody does a little, the burden doesn't fall on the mom, right, to do all the work. Right? Preach it, D. Come on. D knows what I'm talking about. 
So you can serve by serving on the prayer teams, worship teams, children's, youth, cafe, cafe. We love smiling faces in the cafe. We fired Samuel so he could be in worship because he was hanging out in the cafe too much. And so here he is. You'll start seeing him on the front row. Praise the Lord. Um, you could be a greeter. It's so fun being a greeter because you get to get her early when all the action's happening and the house is waking up and you get your first cup of coffee and donuts and whatever. And you get to say hi to everybody who walks through the door. That's a great way to get to know everybody. Uh, we have the care teams. You get to call people during the week and scare them and say, hi, you visited this week. But we're going to do it differently. We prophesy over people. We call them and we say, hey, you visited us. Call me back. I've got a word from the Lord for you. You think you're going to get a call back? <laughs> hey, use what you got, right? Um, and then the third way is you go through EJS. It's a great way to really get to know one another and go deep with people. So we want to go deep with you. Don't be afraid of us. Uh, going deep is, is good. It's good that people get to know your stuff. But um, so that's, I hope that made sense to you through my uh, raspy voice. Um, I hope that it gave you some handlebars to grab onto because I'm really looking for builders and people who are pioneers and, um, that, and that are adventurers that like to go where no man has gone before, you know. And it's like, let's go walk on the moon, do some really cool things, you know. I'm really, I'm not a settler, you know. I mean, that's okay if you're called to be a settler. There are people that have been called to settle what other people uh, 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 pioneered 10, 20 years beforehand. But we're pioneers. And so if you love that, we love that. <laughs> and we, we're, we like the new and the, the great unknown. And, um, and we're expecting great things from God this year. I'm expecting a firefall. And that I want to say one last thing. That wheel within a wheel that I showed you is not just for the house of prayer. But that wheel within a wheel is for you and your family. And that you are a house of prayer. And, and, and that hub that creates, it's the fire and the energy. And as the hub of prayer turns in your family, you'll see that all the spokes and the outer wheels will all begin to turn accordingly. And there will be a tremendous uh, uh, multiplication that will come to you in your life. And so... Um, let me just pray for you, and then um, if you have sickness in your body, please come up. We don't want you to be sick. You're going to go home healed, um, and if you need a word or just need prayer, please come up. So prayer team, come on up. Um, let me pray. God, just thank you for your word, that your word is true and you are faithful. Thank you that you don't love us with half your heart. They hold nothing back from us, but you give us your whole heart your full dedication, and your full love. We love you, God. We love the way we've been loved by you. We love, and we just help us to receive all that you have, all that you are, all that you're doing. Would you set us free from fear? Would you set us free um, from the unknown, fear of the unknown? God, would you help us to get into alignment 
with all that you're doing so that we can run this race full out, just like that horse secretariat, that we can run with a 22-pound heart. We love you, God. We want to give you our all. Would you bless us all today? In Jesus' name, amen.